Dear Bramblings, it's your Uncle Luke here. Alright guys, here we are, the second part of the body dysmorphia conversation I am having with my old Irish dance friend, Alexandra Fuller. Now in this conversation, we are going to be diving more specifically into body stigma and the media's influence. Also, we are going to be talking about some strategies on how to, how to take care of yourself as that is uh, something I commonly do in the My Irish Dance Story series. I just wanted to, uh, again, give a wholehearted thank you to Alexandra for popping onto the podcast here with me and having a really meaningful conversation with me about this topic as it is, um, yeah, it's, it's very hard for me. You know, without any further ado, I think uh, let's just dive into the conversation and I will see you guys on the other side. returned welcome back thank you happy to be here yeah um in the in the last little bit before the break we were just talking a lot about irish dance and how our relationships with our bodies are so connected to it such a healing conversation Mm -hmm. so thank you so much well thank you it's been meaningful for me as well yeah um but in this next part i was just hoping to talk a little bit about body image stigma in media and mm-hmm. all that yeah that's a big topic that's a huge topic and it's complicated mm-hmm. um now there's a, a song that i actually sent you um mm-hmm. it's called feel good by ryan nielsen and uh when i hear that song i just feel far too seen mm-hmm. i feel like crying every single time um mm-hmm. i was just Curious, before I ask uh, some more of the more meaningful questions, did you hear that song? Do you have any thoughts mm-hmm. of that song? Yeah, I didn't actually have a chance to listen to it, but I, I okay. found myself thinking about that because you had sent me one lyric and I um, I just found myself, every time I kind of looked over what you had sent me, just being kind of struck with that and yeah, just thinking about it. Yeah, in the song it says, because I'm still the punchline of childhood jokes, because I carry dead weight and it shows. Mm-hmm. So what have you noticed about the stigma around bodies and how it should look in yeah. media and society? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm hyper aware of this in a way that's like not fun because I'm like, so I've just shifted my view of what health actually is so much that I just see how quick we are to talk about weight and weight loss. And maybe I should even preface this section with like almost like a warning of like probably going to be covering 
these kind of topics because that is what is so pervasive and that can be really triggering for people. Absolutely. But there's two things happening. Like one is the culture that that we grew up in, that our parents grew up in. There's just this really intense pursuit of fitness. Yes. And weight loss and health being very much tied to body composition. Yes. And then there's also this whole body positivity or body neutrality movement that is coming in, or even a movement called the health at every size movement, Mm. which is focusing on health outside of weight. And I think with that, and where we're seeing, there's been a lot of activism about like, you don't see a larger person or even it's okay with you because the, the communities that are fighting for change prefer to talk about fat and thin and just have fat be a neutral term. Right. And so I've been unlearning that in myself. So like you don't see a fat person in a leading role or a fat person in a role in a TV show where their weight is not the butt of the joke. Like there's very few shows where that is not like a part of their character. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like something that's kind of mentioned or whatever. And so I think there's been a bit of a push. So we're starting to see more like body diversity in advertisements, even when it comes to ability status, where they're starting to include models on the runway that are in wheelchairs or things like that. And so there's there's more inclusion, but there is still a lot of stigma around weight. And most everyone I know struggles if they don't fit the conventional beauty standard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's... Actually, there was a a few days ago, um, actually September 29th, I wrote down the time at 9.40 p.m. Mm -hmm. I went onto YouTube and uh, I was just noticing the YouTube shorts Mm. and based off whatever algorithm YouTube works off of, these are the shorts that YouTube thought that I would enjoy. And so the first thing that I'm seeing is Daniel Radcliffe as the new Wolverine. Is, is a picture of him just like having these huge muscles posing shirtless mm. with this facial expression that just resembles like WhatsApp, yeah. you know, like he's looking like beast mode. I have Saif Shawarf's uh, make me blush, take $20 videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, or sometimes he also does the like, make me laugh, mm. make me cringe. And I find these videos really like wholesome, but mm-hmm. at the exact same time, I can't, not look at the fact that he's quite an attractive person Mm. and that probably helps him get a lot of views yeah and then what also came up was zeth which is the uh father daughter youtube podcast which is Mm -hmm. just so cute and honestly oh the curly haired dad and the little yeah they're cute yeah yeah so cute and yeah they're honestly goals for me like that's just yeah i love it but at the same time maybe this is just my conditioned Mm-hmm. body dysmorphic brain but i just noticed this dad as the slim attractive man yeah uh the barbie movie's funniest moments so it's, it's essentially just this picture of ryan gosling but in the picture he has no buttons done up on his shirt he's showing his physique mm-hmm. and i know that ken dolls are not supposed to be real realistic bodies but it's all i see yeah right and then um we got another uh, short that came up, which was Sam and Monica telling my husband I'm his dessert. So it's in a video of an attractive, clean-shaven, flawless, uh, fancy-looking man with a, mm. with a watch on his wrist. And he's it's this like point-of-view style where the wife's like, well, you're my dessert. Mm. And then he's just like, ah, oh, stop it. No, mm. what? 
well, we're going to go do something now. Mm -hmm. And I can see it being just like this funny, endearing little moment Mm -hmm. um, between a couple that's in love. But again, what am I seeing? Mm -hmm. I'm seeing someone that does not look like me Mm -hmm. and someone that is apparently a goal or some sort of expectation that I'm supposed to achieve. Mm -hmm. What I also find really fascinating about at least my my perspective or my journey of whatever this is, is that I find a lot of women deal with body image issues. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember where I read this from, but I learned that one of the greatest shame triggers in women is body image. Mm-hmm. And I just find that so funny because that's my greatest shame trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what does that make me? Does that make me less of a man? Does that mm-hmm. make me less masculine? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This like weird backwards, like, hold on, what does that say about me? And and that is so interesting because I think that, I mean, yeah, women in general, there's been maybe more restrictive views of like what a woman should look like or whatever. But but I I don't know if it's that different. I think men are socialized not to go there or not mm-hmm. to think about that or or, you know, you hear of the, you know, the person who's a little maybe like chubby or, and they're just like, well, it's just like funny. Like they're just a funny guy now. Um, yes. And so there's this like kind of identity shift. But when I talk with my male clients and I think of some of my close like male friends, like brothers, like body is really actually a, a big issue, like a really uncomfortable thing and a, a, a place of shame to feel mm-hmm. like their body is not the chiseled, you know, Simu Liu, Ryan Gosling. And um, that's a, another really great little segue into uh, an Instagram reel that I mm-hmm. came across that so rudely just showed itself in front of my face. But the algorithm sometimes is like, do you want to be harmed? <laughs> Here you go. Yeah, <laughs> right. And what this uh, this Instagram reel was essentially showing was this man shirtless with no uh with like yeah just looking perfect big muscles and all that and he's essentially saying all men should have abs all men should be getting towards 10 percent body fat why should we uh be working towards this goal well that's because you'll look more athletic you'll feel better in your body you'll you'll get your jawline coming in you'll be more confident i literally shut off my phone I threw it onto my bed and I walked out the door and I did another walk. Mm, yeah. And this walk was not one of those like, oh fuck, you just ripped me open. Actually, no, it was that. Yeah. But except it was not from like consent and from a place of healing. This was like mm-hmm. almost just like forcing it upon me yeah. without my choice. Yeah. And I don't know any other good word, but it was almost just like a, a visual rape of some sort or like a shame yeah it sounds like it was very violating yeah it was why do you think people feel as though they can say this like Uh, there is such a pervasive weight bias in our culture and like it is it is so insidious and it becomes one of those things where if if being fit then whatever is equated with health, then it makes it okay to talk about 
fat as bad or weight loss being important or what you watch and what you eat or like it, it it gives people the sense of permission, like I'm doing a good thing. And probably part of it too was this like, they get views, right? Unfortunately, if you are an asshole, you'll get views. Yeah. Because either people will be upset with you or people will be like, yeah, like man up, which is stupid. Um, no one needs to man up, man down, honestly. Like, let's just <laughs> take a break. Yeah. But, but there's this like pervasive view of what is healthy. So it gives people the sense of like, yeah, that's what you should do. Because I did watch that reel because you sent it to me and was like, I want to talk about this. And I just found myself being like, so many of these things are also not like it said, you'll be more confident. But the reason you'll feel more confident is because you're adhering to a standard that has been placed on you by culture. And it's not actually a healthy standard. And it's a standard that is generally rooted in a white European like centric body type it is yes. it's not you know there's different cultures different places in the world you see very different types of bodies but the bodies that we see as important are this kind of like white european slim everything shapely where it's supposed to be and not where it's not supposed to be no what you're making me think about is um addiction in mm -hmm. some fascinating way recently uh one of the areas of support that i've been working at is a, a halfway house for addiction. Mm. And sometimes when we think about recovery, we think about someone as being released from their addiction. But I think in reality, recovery is just, I've eliminated the substance, but mm -hmm. I haven't eliminated the shame. Yeah. And what happens is sometimes addicts will eliminate the substance, but then they'll find something else to be addicted to. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the times they choose fitness as this addiction to yep. fuel this thing that is still not quite healed. Yeah. Even saying that, I think people with a, without having had um, suffered from substance abuse have this addiction mindset when it comes to a lot of things mm -hmm. but they don't really label themselves as an addict because they've never experienced you know a harmful behavior mm -hmm. right yeah it's it actually reminds me of i was once talking to my brother about something and he was like well you what did he say like you you didn't like act out the way i did or or like something because he's gone through some stuff and we have as a family but I think what I said to him was that my my suffering was just so, more socially acceptable because it's socially acceptable to be thin it's socially acceptable to work really really hard and to never take a break and to work multiple jobs and put yourself through school good for you like you you're doing it all and it's like that's actually the it's it's the root that's unhealthy so even you know for people who use substances it, the behavior is like a coping mechanism <laughs> mm -hmm. it's what's underneath that is driving it and so often what we see is people with lots of issues kind of just shifting or using using health as a way to stay unhealthy without realizing or even when I talked earlier about this like self-deception of using that as a way to like it we, we deceive ourselves into thinking this is actually this is good mm -hmm. but then in reality you're tracking your macros constantly and you're aware of how many Weight Watchers points are on your food or whatever. And you like feel guilty because you didn't go to the gym 
And then it's like, that's actually not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And even some of those people might be taking steroids. Yeah. Maybe they're even um, snorting cocaine in the back. Yeah. uh, In order to get enough energy. Um, They're dehydrating themselves to the brink of death. They're, it just feels like a prison. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I'll say, I, I feel like I even see this in, with mental health, which is my area, right? Like with clients or people who who talk about who know enough terminology and theory to to actually avoid transformation because mm-hmm. transformation is surrender to the like nitty gritty gross like out of control like kind of weird experience but it, it it's very much a discomfort um and so a lot of people will just use all of these things health and fitness as like a as a way of avoiding true transformation and healing because in order to heal you have to face the pain first oh gosh my word i um yeah after having talked about all of what has been said Mm -hmm. i now am starting to ask myself like how can we help ourselves how can we give ourselves some care yeah in a world that is constantly telling us that we're not enough yeah, uh, their bodies are not attractive enough. Mm-hmm. In the podcast, I've actually uh, taken some moments of reflection and awareness to realize like, whoa, I talk about language a lot and like the importance of mm-hmm. words and how they shape our psychology and how our words and our own language is a great way of like separating ourselves from shame. And I noticed that in your blog, The Skin You're In, you, did, you were actually mentioning Hillary McBride, mm-hmm. but she suggests using a pronoun for your body mm-hmm. instead of saying like my body. Mm-hmm. Why is this technique so powerful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this idea of yeah, using a pronoun. So like whatever resonates with you for mine, my, my body's pronoun would be she. It's, it's this way of acknowledging that my body is, is a being right? She's living. She's carrying me through this day. It's also, it's a, it's a lot easier to hate an item than it is to hate a living entity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I consider my body as a, as a she, like, like today she was telling me she wasn't feeling super well earlier and that was kind of weird. And then mm-hmm. she started to feel better. And right now she's actually telling me like, this feels really good. It feels good to talk about these things and to explore them and to reconnect with someone I haven't seen in a long time who knew me during a very formative time period of my life. And mm-hmm. she's communicating all that to me. And when you put like a pronoun on top of it, it just kind of shifts your perspective to, wow, like, look at what she's telling me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It also makes me think of... um archetypal language Mm -hmm. i recently did a uh, course learning a bit about archetypal language Mm -hmm. and um, this course centered around the four archetypes of the masculine self but i think it could be incorporated for anyone in all genders but essentially the process or the the modality of thinking this way is to take your problems and to anthropomorphize them Mm into a little character or another being Hmm. and giving them a pronoun, a name, Hmm. an image, and learning to talk to them in a way that could be more loving, Hmm. right? Or just learn what they're trying to say. 
why are they why are they speaking out why are they trying to weave themselves into my being so often mm-hmm. you know and a lot, a lot of people call this like shadow work mm. and i think it's really powerful because what it taught me is that my problems are the problem and i'm not the problem mm. yeah right like i'm i'm perfect just the way i am mm. yeah it's like a externalization kind mm-hmm. of of this it's no longer me it's them and it's it's like creating this uh wedge in between that uh personalization of my flaws mm-hmm. right like i no longer am i saying like i hate my body i could say my masochistic shadow tells me mm. that yeah i should be hating my body yeah even as you say that i think of how Again, in our society, we are very much trained to see things that are maybe negative or bad as a problem. And I almost want to like, when you talk about that masochistic shadow that wants you to know your body is bad, I also like wonder how much of that is actually trying to protect you by telling you that it perceives something that's not okay based on what society has told you. And so like, I think so many of the things we think are problems are often things that are very much trying to like, protect us in some way or help us conform so that we can feel safe in society and feel good and like we matter but they're like miswired or like it's like a symptom yeah no that's just I think for me my body Mm -hmm. their pronouns could be he him Mm -hmm. what is he telling me um that I should straighten up my back (laughs) (laughs) that um the coffee i've been drinking is really comforting but it's also Mm kind of setting me into a a little jumpy state Mm -hmm. um i think he's feeling a lot of relief Mm -hmm. a lot of relief right now that i've gotten the chance to talk about this story and Mm -hmm. to reconnect as well and that he was in the right for being nervous at the beginning of this podcast and not because of any like actual perceived threat but because this is kind of like slicing me open and really just publicly telling people what I'm going through yeah and there's a gratitude for that nervousness because right now I get to feel this relief Mm. yeah yeah and and as you say that right that's all that that your body is telling you yeah. Like your body was warning you with some nerves that, okay, this could be dangerous because you're going to expose yourself. Yes. And like, we can honor that and thank your body for telling you because that's mm-hmm. in another situation. Yeah. You might not want that, right? You want to listen yeah. to that. Whereas in this one, you were able to have the feeling, steward it, choose to go through anyway, and then feel relief mm-hmm. on the other side and the sense of, okay, it was okay. And yeah, maybe yeah. felt meaningful or whatever, but hey, your body's mm-hmm. communicating all of these things just to help you like it's always like your body always has your back (laughs) my body is also part of my back too yeah (laughs) yep it's all connected (laughs) I love that um also in your blog though you had a blessing Mm -hmm. or like a prayer yeah is okay if I read that to you yeah I would love that may you find goodness in the flesh that contains you the spine that holds you and the shoulders that tell you you're caring too much May you find fullness in being in the curve of your smile, the ache of your feet, and the sweat of your palms. 
May you dare to inhabit fully the dwelling of your being and find love, sweet, kind, radical love at home in you. Ooh. Aw, don't cry, Luke. <laughs> but I want to. Yeah, what's um, your body telling you with the tears? It's just needed. Yeah. Something like this is so needed. Mm -hmm. I am curious how these words came to you and yeah. what inspired you to write this prayer. And Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, this piece came from my Substack newsletter, which goes out once a month. And I always try and include, include a benediction or a blessing, like some sort of prayer to end with just as a, I don't know, it, it just, it feels relational to me. It feels connected to me and it, it just feels right in my spirit. And mm -hmm. I remember um, this one being a, a, maybe a little bit more tricky to write, but at the same time, not like it felt like the words came but I just was kind of hunting for these phrases or things that would communicate like the goodness of our body in in all states like the sweat of our palms or the ache or you're carrying too much but also like smiling yes. um and that no matter what state your body is in there is love that that is there mm -hmm. at, at the core um and everyone has different views of kind of existence. Um, but for me, I do believe in God. And so for me, that's what love is, is a sense of like, there's divine goodness at the center of everything. And no matter how heavy my shoulders are, no matter, you know, if I'm smiling so much, my cheeks hurt, like it's just so joyful, like that, that mm -hmm. radical love is still there. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I want to let it be at home in me. And so I think that's kind of like where these words came from and just just kind of hoping and praying for a world where we all live like that, where that yeah. shame is gone, where that, you know, all the crap that we feel about our bodies, like we are, as we heal our relationships with our bodies individually, I believe that we heal our community collectively because mm. our bodies are how we relate to each other. Our bodies are how we experience one another. And, you know, as we take off that weight stigma and all of that stuff, we're just better positioned to love. Oh. You know, it's funny. What also comes up for me, though, when I read it is authenticity. Mm. You know, like yeah. the audacious desire to show up exactly as you are. Mm. Yeah. 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 And not letting anyone convince you that you're less than mm -hmm. in any way. Yeah. And yeah. I think in a sense, authenticity or being truly authentic to who you are and belonging to yourself is where love grows, mm -hmm. love for ourselves. And yeah, I just think it's really beautiful. And I think what I want to do is maybe just like copy paste it at the mm -hmm. bottom of the uh, the podcast yeah. and just have everyone mm -hmm. have a little have a little prayer about their bodies mm -hmm. that they can stay uh, to themselves and yeah. show ourselves some of that compassion that we so desperately need. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's so funny how <laughs> at the end of every single episode of the My Irish Dance Story, somehow all roads lead back to self-compassion. Yep. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. And that's something that I say to my counselor all the time. He just asks me like, so like, where, where, what do you think we need to do to like better this? And like, fuck. Yeah, you're like, great. I have to go here again, <laughs> don't I? I have to actually like care for myself. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is like the most um, like humbling and honoring thing is to actually have compassion for yourself and for others. And this this ability to honor our experiences without you know having to justify them even like when it comes to pain like I think there's often this like justification like why did it bother you that your dance teacher said that and it's mm-hmm. like because it wasn't okay and your body was telling you at the time it wasn't okay and your body is telling you now that it wasn't okay and yeah um, I think it's also a statement of here's why you shouldn't love yourself yeah yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's so much bigger than just what they said. It was all the implied messaging that you got. And so having self-compassion for you now, even right. Like when you talk about like, am I just messed up? And it's like, no, you have a wound because of things that were said to you and repeated and, you know, they were significant moments. And so you have a wound and can you have compassion on that wound, knowing that it will shift and change over time as you, you know, as you heal and grow but it's there. It's there to tell you that it wasn't okay. Yeah. And so then that's where like self-compassion comes in. Sucks. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's like beautiful, but also like, come on. (laughs) Well, something that I've been doing, um, because I have such a complicated relationship with mirrors Mm -hmm. is I've been taking a dry erase marker Mm -hmm. and I've been writing kind things to myself Mm -hmm. on that that marker. Yeah. So currently on my mirror, I'm actually looking at it right now. It says, you're skinnier than you think. I forgive you, Luke. I love you, Luke. I'm proud of you. And you're the best Luke in the world. And then I also, oh, that part's kind of covered up. That's okay. I I wrote something else on my other uh, mirror, just like so much gratitude for just being alive. And how I intend to be living the longest life I can. I love that. Um, yeah, which like what a what a testament to yourself, right? When you talk about in your other episodes of the times where that wasn't a commitment you would have made. Yeah, like what a testament to you, to that version of you to say no, I'm alive. I mean, yeah. In in the second part, I talk about the times I wanted to kill myself mm-hmm. and having witnessed death firsthand. What a great yeah. way to completely destroy those thoughts in the most loving way yeah at the same time i am deeply wounded from that experience and i think i'm going to be wounded for a while yeah and one of those wounds is extreme existentialism yep that'll do it yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm thinking about death so much Mm -hmm. and how it terrifies me and how on the flip side of that coin i am so grateful to be alive but it's almost like pumped to the extreme where it starts to hurt and it starts to be like i think i've had enough but i can't stop thinking about it for some reason yeah i just want to exist without thinking about not existing (laughs) (laughs) that's a good quote i like that and mm -hmm, i could probably use a dose of that too because life is so weird like it is just so why are we here what at the end of the day like what is the point of any of this what is the point of your body size like does it does it matter like no no like what matters is being here 
And mm-hmm. actually, speaking of John O'Donohue, he has a he says something along the lines of like, it is strange to be here. And yeah. it just it is strange to be here. And it's sometimes really grating to my mind that I can't figure out why or how or what that looks like when we're not here. But, <sighs> but it's strange to be here. And I'll just embrace being here for as long as I can. Well, with all that being said, I'm just curious, would you be down to uh, do a little rapid fire to kind of wrap things up? Yes, absolutely. A fun tone shift. Although knowing me, it might not be because um, sometimes I just take things too deep. Let's, let's, if, if the rapid fire goes even deeper, let's go. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Yeah. What does vulnerability mean to you? (sighs) Yeah. Vulnerability means exposing yourself. And you don't want to ideally around safe people who are able to hold it and so that you end feeling cared for not exposed and displayed wide open yes yeah yeah well yeah yeah that makes me really think about um pema chodron's definition of compassion where it's like not a relationship between the wounded and the healer it's a relationship between equals and it's mm. knowing your darkness well enough to sit with others in theirs yeah i love that yep yeah yeah very good now because it's me and i mm-hmm. have to ask this question yeah. um it's been one of my missions to uh get an answer from everyone but do you have a favorite pokemon wonderful question so i was like hemming and hawing over this because i'm not very pokemon literate but I have played Pokemon, like I've played Arceus, Arceus, I don't know, the new one, and we have Sword and Shield, or the other one, I can't remember, everything comes out in two versions, so either way, I was thinking about this, and then I realized that I, when I was playing Pokemon, the most recent time, I was really, for some reason, connected to my Quagsire. Aww. I don't know why, but we just had a good bond going on, He he was my best. My best mate, so we'll roll roll with Quagsire. Although I also love oh. the pretty like nine tails, like oh hell yeah, pretty thing, yeah. <laughs> oh, so cute! Ah, I love that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Do you have a favorite movie or TV show? Uh, so this is the thing. I would love to, but I think I I don't know if I do. I'm so like. I don't know. I I love things that are like nostalgic for me. So like I love like The Princess Diaries. Like I'll watch that multiple times a year just like it always hits um yes. or like the lizzie mcguire movie things from my childhood um <laughs> yeah i also this is very weird but i grew up watching mash oh yeah which is like a show from the 70s it has not aged well like i've recently started re-watching it um i do still love it because it's i think for the time it was pretty progressive but like it's pretty misogynistic in lots of ways and you know mm. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things where it's like it would not hold up today However, that being said, because it's so familiar to me and funny and that would probably be my like fallback TV show. Okay. But, but, but note for, it was the seventies. Okay. Yeah. It was not a time of great acceptance and understanding the relationship between men and women and power and all that stuff. So. Yeah. 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 We're we're allowed to grow, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite meal? Ooh, like of the day or to eat? Um, y- yes. 
Um, yeah, however way you want to define meal. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to roll with like a dinner meal because okay. breakfast is something I'm so hungry in the morning and it's always just like, ugh, everything sucks. Like what I want in the morning is like spaghetti. Nice. <laughs> and that is not what I have in the morning. Yeah. If I didn't make it, I should maybe just start doing that for myself. But anyway, um, I love like Greek food, Mediterranean food, Middle Eastern food, mm. anything kind of around there. Like I love the, like the dips and the garlic and the like the breads and the meat and the the rice and potatoes and just like I feel like there's just so much good flavor that feels yes. very like fresh but also warm mm-hmm. um so those anything along there is probably my favorite that's more category rather than a specific meal but that's what I'm giving you that's fine I love it yeah I know it's all that type of food is just so good mm. mm-hmm. all right so you get in uh you get to invite three people to a dinner and they could be either living, dead, or fictional. Who would they be, and why? Oh, interesting. Um, this feels like such an interesting dinner party because it's probably gonna like go from like different areas of my life. But Audrey Hepburn. Oh yeah. I love her. Love her movies. Again, movies I probably haven't aged super well, but the fifties, sixties. Um, but I just thought she was a really amazing person mm-hmm. um like she she did a lot of um philanthropy and activism and um I would just love to talk with her um mm-hmm. but then even I feel like biblical characters would be interesting and maybe not popular ones like I feel like I should be like Jesus like let's let's experience that but also like Judas who is like uh-huh. if you're familiar is the betrayer yeah yeah, the therapist in me is curious about him because I think these he, he is seen as the betrayer and this like deceived one. Mm-hmm. But I always I try to remember that he was human. So I'm curious what I would love to dig under that a little bit and be like, what's what was going on with you that yeah. made you do that? Uh, so maybe not a popular answer, but I'm just nosy. No, it's interesting because I also think like sometimes when people do things like that sometimes they think that's the only thing they can do yeah like it feels like justified right yeah and i'm curious how he justified that action Mm -hmm. so um dead or alive i can pick an alive person you could i could or not um yeah i don't know i'm looking at my bookshelf there's like so many people that are so fascinating i mean chatting with brene brown would be great yeah. Also, Hillary McBride. Yeah. There's more possibility that I will actually cross paths with Hillary McBride in my life because we're both therapists living in the same city, okay. but also potentially unlikely. But I would love to chat with her too. So that was kind of four, but. Oh, whatever. Yeah, we'll roll with them. Sure. Interesting it. table Judas, Brene Brown, Audrey <laughs> Hepburn, and maybe Hillary McBride just for good measure. Yeah. What an interesting conversation. Huh? To be a fly on the lots wall. Of, lots of therapy for Judas, probably. <laughs> I could see Brene that. Brene is like, how are you feeling? How shameful are you feeling? Yeah. After having betrayed Jesus Christ. Okay. Oh, man. Um, yeah. What is something you'd like to say to the next generation of humans growing up in the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think just that you're good. I think there's so much in the world that tells us that we're not good, that we have to be a certain way, 
that everything's falling apart and the sun's going to explode and you know all of this like just zeitgeist full of negativity mm. and I think so few people like like we're born coming into this world knowing that we're good knowing that we're worthy of being fed and cared for and you know we scream because we need a snack yeah. and that's okay and now that I'm 31 I'm not allowed to do that <laughs> but like like you don't when you're when you're two years old you don't think oh I'm fat if anything we celebrate it we're like look at you chunky little baby we think you're adorable uh-huh. um and so I just think yeah for the next generation to just know that they're good mm-hmm. like there's nothing inherently wrong with you you're human and part of being human means to feel broken at times and to deal with hardship, but also to experience a lot of beauty. And it's, it's a both and which sucks. I wish it was just one part, Yeah. but, but no, it's everything. There's a, a full life out there, but at the root of it all, the person experiencing it is good. Wow. Yeah. wow. Oh man. Now I'm feeling so much grief. It's sad because I think uh, that's that's all I've got. That's that's I guess that's the end of the conversation, and I don't mm-hmm. want it to end. Yeah, yeah, we could talk about this forever. <laughs> yeah, well, it's yeah. just it's been wow. I'm excited to listen back. Honestly, I'm so excited to listen back and continuously listen to this, and mm-hmm. maybe learn, relearn, unlearn, relearn everything over and Mm -hmm. over again and that's just kind of the beauty of this type of medium of uh conversation and recording it and to to anyone listening just know that you know whatever whatever you're pursuing that's telling you that your body is not up to standard that that's probably coming from a place of being shamed themselves societally Mm -hmm. and you're just fine just the way you are and yeah that even if you are deeply wounded from conditioning and circumstances like i was that there's still a way you can find gratitude in it i think the healthiest way is just to recognize that both pain and joy are existing at the exact same time and that is just completely fine and normal and no trophy is worth sacrificing your humanity for no yeah literally not and like as you say that I think about how important all those trophies were for me Mm. and I don't own I don't have a single one left I I gave them away wow they like I I don't have any medals I have some wigs (laughs) but like (laughs) but none of those were necessary for me to hold on to anymore wow and what became important was the memories and the experience and that now i can do a jig on saint patrick's day and it's like a fun fact that i can whip out at parties that i don't go to but if i went to a party i'd maybe do a jig and be like look what i can do um (laughs) but all that to say right like it's yeah those things don't actually matter yeah yeah like it's plastic it's true like i've got three right now that are just gathering dust that's it and I've got all the rest in boxes and I don't know what to do with them Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't even know what they're for anymore yeah and but they meant everything at the time it was life or death 
Yeah. It's just wild. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Alexandra, for essentially holding my hand through this. And well, thank you for letting me. It's an honor. My gosh, I hope maybe one day in the future we can do another conversation like this because, yeah. wow, yeah, this is an important, meaningful conversation. And uh, I just really loved the, uh, the flow and everything. Just the whole conversation mm-hmm. was just lovely. Thank you. Um, with that, I guess I'll just press end recording. Perfect. Um, friends there we go thank you so much for listening i really do appreciate it yeah it has been such a cathartic and healing experience finally telling a bit about my story when it comes to being a former competitive irish dancer it's a lot of work to unpack however i've just been really finding myself trapped in patterns and spirals of thought where i am constantly thinking i am not good enough I'm too fat. I am not good looking enough. I will never be successful. And honestly, it's so hard to try to do anything else with your life when you're constantly caught in these thought patterns. So to have the opportunity to break down my story and to uh, put it into a narrative, it's been really healing. And I just want to say thank you guys for listening and for supporting me and i hope it is clear that there is a uh, thank you but fuck you thing going on with irish dance where both gratitude and resentment are like conflicting with uh, each other in my psyche right now when it comes to it in the next episode i don't know when it's going to be i don't know how i'm going to do it but i know that you know i, I want to keep going with telling some stories from my years as a former competitive Irish dancer. What I'm feeling like I want to dive into is the perspective of an artist versus an athlete. And where do I think Irish dance should sit? Yeah, I have a few stories about that. So I think um, when I'm ready, that'll be the next topic. So I hope uh, you'll tune in. And um, to Alexandra, I just want to say Again, I don't know how many times I've said thank you, but thank you for hopping onto the podcast and for holding my hand through this experience and um, helping me through an incredibly vulnerable topic for me. I would love to have you on again, and uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I just know that the, the flow, the vibe, everything was just right. Something was Goldilocks about the whole thing, so yeah. Um, thanks again, and I, uh, to Bramblings, just know that, yeah, you are going to be coming into a world that is very much toxic in a way where people really do value body image and how you look, and I really do want to try to protect you from these insecurities that you may be feeling. However, I can't. 
I can't so long as we still live in a world where we are prizing certain bodies over others. I don't know if I can protect you from this insecurity. All I can do and say is, you know, you are your body and your body is you. And we have to find a way where we can be partners with our body and love ourselves, love our physical form. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. I'm even like catching myself, like kind of internally cringe saying that because I'm just so conditioned and used to criticizing my body image. Oh, just know I love all of you, all of you, and I can't wait to hug you anyways. With all that being said, thank you so much everyone for listening, and bye for now. The Dear Brambling Podcast is a podcast dedicated to my little bramblings, to the next generation of humans growing up in the world, as well as to anyone who might be looking for a little more guidance in their life. It is hosted by me, Luke Benoit. Editing and sound design are by Cedar Picture and Sound, MB Productions, and Hido Productions. The music that you're listening to is called Curiosity, and it's composed by Matthew Grazier at Grazier Music. The logo was designed by Misaki at Hostess Misaki on Twitch TV. And if you'd like to follow me on any social media, you can do so on Twitch as well as on Instagram at Lucatronosaurus Rex. And to anyone who is listening to the podcast this far in, I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I really do appreciate it. I do, however, need to say that this podcast was brought to you for education and entertainment purposes and should not be used as a substitute for actual licensed coaching, counseling, or therapy. If you are experiencing some sort of pain in your life and you need some help, I definitely recommend shopping around for the right coach, counselor, or therapist that is right for you. With all that being said, I really do hope that you're doing something today to take care of yourself, and I do hope that you have a great rest of your day. Bye for now.